Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What happens when sporting legends sit down to talk? You're about to find out because GNN presents Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith, where you'll hear the stories and thoughts of college and pro figures, both past and present. Now, here's Lauren. Welcome. Our guest is Greg McGarity, former athletic director at the University of Georgia, now the executive director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl uh, back in Florida, where he had a run with the uh, University of Florida there for a while. Sort of likes the beach, and uh, this conversation taking place with the ocean in earshot, Greg. <laughs> uh, pretty good scenery for a uh, sun-up gathering. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to be in this environment, is it not? Well, it's uh, it's very nice, and we got a beautiful sunrise this morning, Lauren. And uh, it's great to have you here. Great to have you in Ponte Vedra. And, and yeah, uh, Cheryl and I really have enjoyed it and uh, look forward to spending a lot of time here. You miss Athens, any? Absolutely. <laughs> I miss all my friends. I miss the, you know, I really miss the, the eight to five part of it. Uh, working with a great staff and wonderful people. And uh, I really do miss that interaction because uh, we have a full-time staff of six now <laughs> and in close quarters. And certainly we focus on a lot fewer things than we did uh, in college athletics. But it's a lot of fun. We're doing a lot of great work in the community and uh, it's a lot more than just a, a bowl game. Doing a lot of charity work and sponsoring a baseball game, and it really is a, a, a nice adventure. Well, and you keep up with Georgia. Uh, the internet allows that, and then of course you can work the phone too and keep in touch <laughs> with your old friends and associates. Uh, what was the uh, fun of being athletic director for the Bulldogs? You grew up in Athens. Georgia boy with a Georgia education. Uh, what did you uh, find stimulating about your work with the Bulldogs? Well, I really enjoyed working with people and working with a talented staff. I enjoyed the challenges of, of uh, bringing people in and uh, developing a culture, maintaining a culture that had long preceded me uh, at the University of Georgia. So I really miss uh, the teamwork, the unity, and, and really helping others achieve their goals, whatever it may be. Now, college athletics has changed even in the short time you've been away from it. But uh, what do you enjoy? What did you enjoy most about being on a college campus? Well, it's the interaction with people. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the, the eight to five part of that. Uh, and because so much of our work is at night and on the weekends, and uh, that kind of takes uh, a drain on you. It's a style of life that I'd lived for, you know, over four decades. Uh, but also things were changing in college athletics. Well, that was uh, the great part of it because you're all working towards a common goal, and that's to provide a great environment for student athletes, for coaches to excel in their profession. And that was, that was the great part of it, being able to, uh, to fix things that might have been broken or to make things better. 
uh, I really enjoyed that. But really, the the relationships that we've uh, had with the president, his staff, uh, with Kirby, and really every other coach, and being aligned to where the president, the athletic director, and the coaches were all on the same page. So uh, that was really a great environment to work in. And if you've got alignment, a lot of great things are happening. And there's no doubt that with uh, Josh at the helm and with President Moorhead, who has really become a, a leader in college athletics, and I'm so proud of how he's um, elevated his himself into one of the most powerful people in college athletics, and no one's better at leading college athletics than Jerry Moorhead. That's interesting. He's now president of the SEC. Now, that's just not a uh, an honorary title, is it? Or no. What, can, what no. can a president do to influence things in the conference? Well, there are a lot of things that uh, Commissioner Sankey needs help on. Uh, and he needs someone that can tell him what he needs to hear. It may not be what he wants to hear, but uh, Jerry's one that can tell people what they need to hear. And and Lauren, I would I would I would say that on the national scene, you know, President Moorhead's at the top at the top level of this transformation of the NCAA, uh, and he's leading that charge. And there's nobody better that can help forecast what the future of college athletics is going to be other than Jerry Moorhead. So his national profile is is amazing, and it's a, uh, a great tribute to the University of Georgia that our leader has such a high profile and such an important part of the NCAA structure moving forward. So uh, Georgia people really need to be proud of his leadership, not only on campus or at the SEC level, but also at the national level. Well, Greg, that brings us around to this point, the NCAA. Where are we with the NCAA, and what is going to happen to the NCAA? Well, that's a great question, uh, and there has been a committee that's been charged with that. As I mentioned, President Moorhead is one of the leaders of that uh, effort, and there will be structure in place soon that uh, I'm sure there will be some familiar faces that will be uh, leading that charge in really the transformation of the NCAA, what does it look like? And uh, there are a lot of smart people in the room uh, that will be able to provide guidance moving forward. And I really, really hope the transformation will take place and create a much more streamlined uh, rules that can be interpreted by everyone and uh, sort of set the tone as we move forward uh, into this century. Well, that brings us around to uh, looking also at the role and performance of the commissioner, Greg Sankey, because uh, uh, a lot of impact with his uh, leading the way to get for, uh, to get Oklahoma and Texas in the league. Do you like that move? I think it's great. Uh, I think it's great for the for the conference. I'm not sure the coaches are really fired up about it because every sport now is going to have a harder time reaching championship level. Uh, getting to Atlanta is going to be more difficult because who knows what the schedule is going to look like with Texas and Oklahoma uh, in play. But uh, certainly across the board in total sports, both those schools bring a lot to the table. So uh, there's no one better to lead that effort than, than Greg Sankey. Uh, I have been fortunate to, to be around Greg when he was uh, in charge of compliance and worked for Mike Slive and to see him grow into that profession and I remember it was a very happy day when he was named commissioner uh, of the Southeastern Conference uh, 
because if the Southeastern Conference didn't hire him, somebody else is going to scoop him up very quickly. And I'm not so sure he, he could have been the person that could have led the NCAA down the road to uh, uh, a new pathway. But we're very fortunate to have uh, Greg Sankey in the chair leading uh, the SEC and his ability to maneuver and his foresight uh, and his ability to look into the future is unparalleled. Well, in the fraternity of commissioners, does he have a high ranking? How do other people, other leagues, other conferences feel about his leadership and his role? Well, he and Bob Bowlesby from the Big 12 probably have more experience in college athletics more than anything. Uh, and then really the commissioner of the ACC, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 are all new. So uh, I'm sure Greg's experience, uh, his knowledge, is really, really a strong point, and people look up to him and look to him for guidance because he's been, he's seen it all, he's been through it all. And someone like Bob Bowlesby, who's been an athletic director, also has that level of experience. And Jim Phillips with the ACC now has a college experience. So Greg is one of the leaders. I think people around the country look up to him, and, and when Greg Sankey speaks, uh, people listen. Greg McGarty, the former athletic director of the University of Georgia, grew up in Athens, graduate of Georgia, coached and worked and played at Georgia, and then uh, spent some time doing missionary work at Florida, <laughs> back to Athens, uh, retired after 10, 10 years? 10 years, 10 11 years. football seasons, yeah. And then uh, take, has taken over uh, as the executive director of the Tax Lair Gator Bowl, and uh, your hours have changed, your uh, uh, controversy factor is down, and uh, you're living in a nice environment. Although you don't play golf, everybody moves to Palm Beach to play golf. So you're living uh, the, the good life and enjoying still an association with athletics. And you're not exactly long in the tooth, Greg, so uh, this has to be... Uh, a wonderful experience for you. We're happy to have an opportunity to talk to Greg McGarity. And uh, don't want to forget, he's a Dan McGill protege. And we'll have more with Greg McGarity following these messages. I'm John Addison, a lifetime Bulldog fan, Georgia graduate, and the chairman of distribution for Primerica, the largest independent financial services marketing company in North America. To win big in the SEC in life requires commitment. Since 1977, Primerica has been committed to helping families prepare for a better future. We're a Georgia-based company and, like the dogs, have a proven track record of success. Primerica is proud to sponsor Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith. Go dogs! Are you job hunting? With Self-Check, you can check your employment eligibility records before your next employer does. So before you apply, check out USCIS.gov backslash self-check. It's fast, it's easy, and it's free. Self-check gives you the confidence of knowing your government records are in order. Check out your employment eligibility today at USCIS.gov backslash self-check. Self-check is a service of U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Life can hit you with the unexpected. The loss of a job, a sudden illness, a dramatic jump in your mortgage payment, leaving you feeling helpless. 
If you've fallen behind on your mortgage, it's time to take control. You don't have to lose your home. The National Foundation for Credit Counseling can help. Call us at 866-687-6322 or visit mortgagehelpnow.org. Real solutions for real people. NFCC member agencies are approved by the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. This close. After immunizing more than 2 billion children, Rotary Club members are this close to wiping polio from the face of the earth. But we need your help. Thanks to an historic matching grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, every dollar Rotary raises will work twice as hard to protect children against polio forever. This is an opportunity to end polio now. Visit rotary.org slash end polio. Rotary. Humanity in motion. Parents and teachers working together are a powerful team for student success. Here's Jeff Hubbard, president of the Georgia Association of Educators, with some suggestions for making that team more successful than ever. As a parent, you're an important part of the education team. Here are some tips for helping that team succeed for your child. Talk to your child about school every day. Talk to the teachers often, even when there isn't a problem. Take your child on family outings to parks, community festivals, and local landmarks. Encourage your child to count money, calculate change, read menus in newspapers, and to write letters. Make frequent trips to the public library, become involved in school activities. And remember, if you think school is important, so will your child. Working together, parents and teachers can make this a successful school year for every child in Georgia. This has been a message from the Georgia Association of Educators. Great public schools are a basic right for every student. This is Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith on GNN. Now, here's Lauren. Welcome back. Our guest is Greg McGarity, former Georgia Athletic Director, who now is the Executive Director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Um, college athletics today, what are the concerns? I hear all of the doomsayers, and I always felt like or feel like that the people who embrace whatever changes come along and get out front are the ones who are going to be able to manage it. Fortunately, I think Kirby Smart is pretty much uh, as good as they come uh, in doing that. But there's a transfer portal, there's a name image like this NIL. Uh, We see recently where one government agency says players should be treated as employees. Uh, When you look at it uh, with a dim view or a cynical view, uh, you're happy to be out of it, but you still are uh, patronizing. You want college athletics to be well, because that's good for the bowls. where are we with college athletics? Are these things going to be overwhelming? Well, first thing, there's a lot more good than bad in college athletics. Unfortunately, the bad parts of it are getting the most publicity now. Uh, I have felt when uh, name, image, and likeness came aboard that it was uh, the doomsday uh, news for amateur athletics because I saw a professional model inner college athletics to where quarterbacks in the NFL obviously they're making all kinds of money and other positions don't make they make they get they make great money in the NFL don't get me wrong but in college you're seeing some of these higher end players generating a lot of revenue and others not and can 17 18 19 20 year old kids handle that some can 
some can't, but what does that do to the culture in the locker room? Uh, you see young men representing car dealerships. Uh, you're seeing other things, and a lot of these kids are sharing it with others. Some maybe not, but uh, it, it, it allows for the haves and have-nots to, to kind of continue. And you'll see, I think, those that have been power schools in the past will continue to be power schools because uh, they'll use NIL, whether I know it's not legal, but as a recruiting tool. Uh, you know it's there. I know you can't recruit towards that, but I think these young men and their advisors are going to look around at different schools, different teams, and see what their counterparts are making in the NIL world. So I worry about that part of it. The transfer portal, Lauren, is I think when we were coming up, uh, you know, our coaches were really, really tough on us. And I thought that was a good thing. I think those that really, really want to excel want to be pushed and really challenged. Uh, nowadays, uh, I think the fear of some coaches is, well, if I go too far, if I'm too tough on kids, they can just pack up and leave. So I worry about life lessons. You know, when life gets tough, you need to work through those. And no better place to learn that than in college. So uh, that's I'm a little fearful of that. But all in all, it's a great enterprise. It does so many great things for so many young men and women. Uh, and, and that's what you can't lose sight of. It's what's the purpose of it is to graduate young people and make sure they have uh, a wonderful experience for four or five years. Well, it was not a planned thing, but actually uh, uh, one view, and I certainly subscribe to that view, once we got out of the degree business, kids really don't want a degree now. They want to come to your school, start for three years, and move on to the NFL. If it were that old trade-off of free education mm -hmm. to play a sport, it couldn't, could never have been anything more equitable and more rewarding. Yeah. Uh, will we ever get back to where the degree, the degree becomes important to a lot of guys once they've played 10 years in the NFL. A lot of them come back, get their degree, but it's still an awkward situation. Sure. Well, I think the majority of athletes that play at the University of Georgia and the majority of our sports think they're going to play at the next level. And I know what uh, our staff has tried to do, and it's, I know they're still trying to do that, is make sure that they know that we're preparing them for life after graduation or life after eligibility ends. And we all know the, the professionals' uh, time spans of these people in the NFL or whatever are very short. So it's sad to see some people come back after uh, one or two years in professional sports and they might not have focused as much on the afterlife, after college life, as they wanted to. So that's why a lot of these young men and women come back to school because they probably didn't realize it at the time or maybe not have listened as well on preparing themselves for, for life after sports. So, um, you know, I think the pace is out of the tube on some of this. It's hard to change some of the things that are already in play again. But uh, I think all in all, it's... It's uh, an experience to where these young people, the vast majority, want to come in and get that degree, whether it's in four years or it may take years upon uh, exit out of pro sports. Our guest, Greg Mierci, former athletic director of Georgia, having a nice conversation with him uh, in Ponte Vedra, Florida, where he now lives and working as the executive director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Uh, Greg, one 
outfit out there, it's not going to change because they can read the tea leaves and know they don't have to. But I think it's a shame that the NFL gets away with what it gets away with because uh, baseball has a farm system. Yeah. Even the NBA has a yeah. uh, summer league or European league or whatever. Uh, baseball has it right. You can sign yeah. after three years, right. but you have to play three if you mm-hmm. start out. But uh, the NFL is getting away with literally murder <laughs> when we get that, when we think yeah. about it. Well, college well, is the farm system. Is the uh, there is uh, football is the only sport that really uh, doesn't have, like you mentioned, uh, preparatory opportunities. Uh, so young people, if they want to play in the NFL, they have to go to college. Uh, so, you know, and a lot of colleges facilities and are, are much nicer than the NFL. And so, uh, but these young these young men come in and uh, they have an opportunity to to really train to, from a nutritionally. And I mean, my gosh, every resource possible is devoted to these young men and women. In football, uh, I can't think of, of any more needs that one would need. Really, they get great coaching. Uh, they have a great platform. Uh, they leave college with no debt uh, and hopefully a few bucks in their pocket from NIL or cost of attendance differential there. Uh, so you're seeing a, uh, an environment where young people are really having a better path as opposed to maybe baseball to where you're seeing some of the tragedies in uh, a, a ball, double A ball, to where these people are, are living in conditions and traveling. They don't make much money. Yeah. And so you're seeing sort of a, a population of 85 young men on scholarship that are really being treated royally. Yeah, who who has it better than a college athlete today? I mean, they get they get free room, free board. Uh, they get tuition if they want it. Uh, then there's uh, a clothing allowance. There's a travel allowance. Cost of attendance results in roughly ten thousand uh, dollars, which is really salary yeah. for income. Yeah. Uh, if you uh, want to be uh, crass about it. And then the thing that people don't understand is the Pell Grant. That's an additional what right. six or eight thousand dollars a year if they qualify for Pell Grants. They have right. to qualify. Yep. Right. So right. college athletes are not destitute. Not well, no. All. I remember when you uh, back in the day where you had ten dollars for uh, a week for laundry, yeah. and uh, and now it's certainly exploded into a totally different world now, to where uh, again. If you're on full scholarship, you have no debt at the end of a three- or four-year career, in-state or out-of-state, and you you run the numbers. And uh, with all the benefits that uh, these young men and women are receiving as far as, you know, the best nutrition, the best health care, the, be- the best academic uh, assistance, the best mental health services. I mean, Georgia is able to do the best in every category, and we're very fortunate to have phenomenal leaders in those areas to provide these service, services to all these young men and women. So when a student athlete steps foot on the University of Georgia campus, you know, they are really, really well taken care of. Indeed they are. Our guest, Greg McGarity, former athletic director at the University of Georgia, his alma mater, now the executive director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, enjoying a, a new career. And he's got a lot of years out in front of him to enjoy that career. We'll have more with Greg McGarity following these messages. 
You've heard them all before. No ball in the house. Use your indoor voice. Eat at the table. Beat off the furniture. Cut the horseplay. Well, when you bring the indoors outdoors, there are no rules. Build your Declaration of Independence, a beautiful outdoor deck made from Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have that yellow tag, you don't want it. Visit BackyardBetter.com. I'm John Addison, a lifetime Bulldog fan, Georgia graduate, and the chairman of distribution for Primerica, the largest independent financial services marketing company in North America. To win big in the SEC in life requires commitment. Since 1977, Primerica's been committed to helping families prepare for a better future. We're a Georgia-based company and, like the dogs, have a proven track record of success. Primerica is proud to sponsor Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith. Go dogs! Is there really such a thing as a safe place to put your money? And where would that be? Under the mattress? Stuffed in a cookie jar? No, no, no. You want real safety? Find out about the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC. It protects your money, up to $250,000 in bank accounts, like checking, savings, and CDs. Look about solid. In 75 years, no one has ever lost a penny of FDIC-insured money. Better odds than your cookie jar. So if you have $250,000 or less in any one FDIC-insured bank, you have no need to worry. Your money is fully protected. If you have more or aren't sure, visit FDIC.gov or call 1-877-ASK-FDIC. The more you know, the safer your money. In the last decade, more than 400,000 people died on America's roadways. That's one person every 13 minutes. Roadway deaths strike the young or old at any time of the year, at any hour of the day or night. And it doesn't matter whether you drive a car on a highway, ride a motorcycle or bicycle on a country road, or simply take a walk near traffic. Everyone is at risk. Since 1969, members of the American Traffic Safety Services Association have worked diligently to make our nation's roadways safer by providing the majority of roadway safety features, including bright signs and pavement markings, guardrails, and crash cushions. These are just some of the roadway devices that save thousands of lives each day. Since most of our roadways were built in the 1950s, there's so much more work that needs to be done to reach the ultimate goal of zero deaths. Safer roads save lives. To learn how you can get involved, visit ATSSA.com. A public service message from the American Traffic Safety Services Association. There's always a moment of truth where I say, look, it's either put up or shut up. And it was time to put up. I had crossed that thin line. It was 100 plus degrees. We were hot. We were on fire. We were yelling our hearts out. You could feel the intensity rising. Even in our tiredness, even in our weakness, even in our pain, we continue to push. I told myself, you can suck up the pain for another mile and a half, and you will be a Marine. Not many people believe that I could do it. I don't know where I got the energy from. I don't know where the pain went to. But all I know is that I had what it took. I am a United States Marine. DFC Daryl Willis serves his country as a Marine. Will you? Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines.
More than 100 million wild animals are killed each year, illegally. Poaching is just one of the risks animals face at our hands. I'm Tom Barry. I'm an actor. I grew up in the beautiful rural countryside of Ohio, where animals roam freely in the open forests. I have a deep concern to help preserve those open spaces for our wildlife friends so they can live and thrive like they used to. Destruction of their habitats threaten their very existence. The best way to protect wildlife is to protect the land where they live. The Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust works with private landowners to protect wildlife, to preserve natural habitats, and establish permanent sanctuaries. To learn more or to work with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, call 800-729-SAVE. That's 800-729-SAVE. Or visit wildlifelandtrust.org. Thank you. This is Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith on GNN. Now, here's Lauren. Welcome back. Our guest is Greg McGarrity, the former athletic director at the University of Georgia. Uh, now the executive director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Uh, your time at the University of Georgia, a lot of things happened on your watch, particularly the Payne Indoor Center, named for uh, Billy Payne and his late father, Porter. Uh, that was a big project, something that has turned out. And, uh, you know, I was suggesting to Kirby not long ago, you really ought to send out a note to all the donors this year because we just had a spate of thunder showers. It, preparing for Clemson yeah. would have really been yeah. a super challenge without that facility. Sure. So there's a West End project, uh, other sports, tennis, baseball, been upgraded. What are you most proud of? Oh, my gosh. Uh, really everything. I mean, to be able to walk back on campus and uh, really we've, we've – almost touched every facility. I know there's still some facility work to go at softball uh, and a couple of other areas, but, I mean, you go from equestrian to the golf clubhouse to the new tennis stadium to all the things you mentioned. I mean, the Stegman renovation. Um, just very, very fortunate to have the resources to do that, Lauren, and, and really the members of the McGill Society make it all happen. I mean, uh, for an effort that started in September of 15, 2015, uh, and here we are six years later, and it's essentially paid for all the major construction with football, the three major projects. Um, we've also been able to, to use fundraising for our other projects and use our reserves strategically. But uh, probably the most proudest thing, one of the proud things I think we all take a lot of pride in is that we really took on no more long-term debt. Everything was really paid for as we, as we went through the process. So uh, we actually lowered our debt, which uh, I was, I was uh, hoping that, uh, you know, who, uh, Josh, they would be able to spend a little money now <laughs> when we went through. So uh, I know they'll have to dip in the reserve to help with some things uh, in the future, but not, not uh, taking on additional debt, I think, frees up the possibility to where you could tap into your reserve and do things and maybe take on more debt. Uh, but that was something that was really remarkable and a great story and the McGill Society members really made it all happen and I'm very proud of, of everyone that helped us 
do everything that we were able to do during that time. Well, it's been a tradition at Georgia, even dating back prior to your coming, uh, but intensified. There's a lot done for the rest of the campus. Academic programs, the support of athletics. I mean, they, they benefit from the support of athletics. Uh, what was your philosophy about trying to help the other uh, departments on campus in terms of funding? Well, I thought it was really our obligation to do so. You know, there's roughly, I think, a 4 or $5 million cash transfer to the university. And then I remember uh, when we were first talking about this, you know, the discussion with the administration was, uh, well, do you want to know where these dollars are spent? Uh, do you want to approve that? And I said, no. I said, it's up to you to determine the best use of these dollars that benefits the athletic association, that, that makes us look puts us in a good light because we don't want to pick athletics didn't want to pick and choose how these funds were going to be used we totally trusted the university to make those decisions and for instance like with all of the academic assistance that's been provided to to the needy students uh, the assistance has been provided to numerous uh, professorships on campus uh, that have the athletic association tagged to it I think the recipients of those uh, academic assistants in the professor's world, they carry that, that moniker of the Athletic Association very well. They, they're, they're proud to talk about that, about I'm the recipient of an Athletic Association professorship. And I think the university has done a great job in using those funds for the betterment of the university, and we're extremely proud to be able to do that. But I do think it's an obligation to give back because we want to help the university in their needs as we move forward, too. Well, now, Greg, the that come about. And then also, I've read, I don't know what the latest is, you know, only Texas takes in more income than Georgia from all external things that would be uh, the, the benefits from the use of the logo and all right. of that. Right. Is Georgia still, at one time, only Texas had greater outside income than you know, Georgia? It, it might fluctuate year, but obviously, I think, top five every year because of the uh, ticket sales, you know, the donations, uh, everything that comes into play. Of course, the SEC distributions are astronomical and will continue to rise incrementally. Um, so I just think Georgia's positioned in a great spot uh, moving into the future. Very good, Greg McGarity, and I guess you regret, like uh, a lot of people do, fundraisers. You didn't get a commission on all of that. <laughs> we'll be back for more with the former Georgia Athletic Director following these messages. about marriage. Marriage makes me think of sports. You know, teamwork, dedication. Okay, let's see what people say. Let's say your marriage is a sport. What sport would it be? Oh, what sport? Basketball. Surfing. Because we've been riding away for so long. It have to be a team sport. Ice hockey. <laughs> Baseball. It lasts a long time and not a lot happens. Ping pong. So why ping pong? Always on our toes, uh, but relaxed and fun. Maybe doubles tennis. So there's a lot of back and forth. A lot of people watching. So how many people are influenced by your marriage? Hundreds? Yeah. I think we could easily fill a football stadium with all the people that we've influenced. And you really think about the ripple effect. One influences the next and the next and the next. It's like a wave. <laughs> so it looks like a good marriage touches a lot of people. Exactly. A good marriage goes a long way. 
Want to improve your marriage? For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. You're full of fear, you're breathing fast, your head's pounding, and all you can hear is, I don't want to do it. You get to the top, get hooked in, and then you look over the edge. I thought it was a thousand feet. I was like, no way am I jumping off this tower. I'm staying right here. I'm like, am I ever going to be good enough to be a Marine? Every day it got harder, but every day we got stronger. And I thought, yes, I can do this. When it was all said and done, watching the car guard raise the American flag, hearing the national anthem, it was, it was amazing. I, I've never felt anything like that before. At that point, I thought, I am a United States Marine. PFC Keith Palka knows you don't join the Marines, you become one. Visit Marines.com or call 1-800-MARINES. The few, the proud, the Marines. Sergeant Jason Nielsen was paralyzed while serving as an MP in Iraq. The sniper from down the alleyway shot me. Six weeks later, I woke up at Walter Reed, not really knowing where I was at. Paralyzed veterans of America's national service officers, such as Sherita Latham, are trained to help injured veterans get all the benefits they've earned. I could call Sherita at 11 o'clock at night and she would answer the phone and be like, what can I do for you, Jason? If someone needs you, you listen to them. If they call, we're there for them. She worked with my wife hand in hand, um, took care of everything for me just so I could focus on just recovery and, and trying to get on with life. If there was no PVA, we wouldn't have the benefits that we have. We wouldn't know about the benefits. To learn how you can help paralyzed veterans, visit pva.org. This is Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith on GNN. Now, here's Lauren. Welcome back. Our guest is Greg McGarrity, the former athletic director at the University of Georgia, now the executive director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. The bowl situation now, we've gone through in recent years a little bit of haves and have-nots. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess you would be the Gator Bowl sort of in the middle ground. Uh, we don't want all of these bowl games, which are so nice for yeah. an up-and-coming team to give the players that wonderful bowl right. experience. We don't want to lose all those bowls, right. but what's, what's the landscape like in the bowl business today? Well, there are 44 bowls in play right now, uh, and obviously you've got your New Year's Day six that feed into the college football playoff, and then there's a lot of the, the rest of us are, are below that. But Gator Bowl's been in business, this is the 77th year. It's the sixth oldest bowl in college football. So the historical nature of this game uh, is really, really important. Uh, I've always felt like uh, the, these young men and the staff and those that follow the team, they want to be in an environment that's really very nice, enjoyable. It's a reward. So our team stay, one team, ACC team, stays at Amelia Island at the Omni, the other SEC team stays at uh, Marriott Sawgrass. They practice at facilities that are so close to each other, one at Fernandina High, the other school at Ponte Vedra Beach. Great food in this area, and you've got your beaches, and people want to be in an environment like that. But I think, I think, the, bowls are, I think the bowls are still going to be an important part of this. 
a lot of teams use it as preparation for next year. Uh, it allows you more practice time in December. It's kind of like a mini spring practice. And it also allows you to play a, a respectable opponent, especially in our case, you've got two strong brands there. Uh, we're playing New Year's Eve morning at 11 a.m. We're unopposed in that time slot in the TV world. Uh, but I think the bowls are going to be okay. I think especially bowls that have been here for a long, long time may be better in position than those that are just startups that are maybe five years or less. And maybe the bowls that don't have the tie-ins to conferences, I think, might struggle somewhat. But uh, I think it's, it's, it's an important part of the fabric uh, I know some people, you know, might not appreciate bowls as much as they have in the past, but, you know, we have to remember these young men love to play football, and they want to play in some. It may be the last time they ever have to play with their teammates, but it all it all depends on how the head coach approaches it. If it's important to the head coach, it's going to be important to the players. If the coach, head coaches kind of blow it off and don't really focus on it, then that's going to transfer down to the to the uh, players. But all in all, I think it's a great experience. Uh, it's three or four days and a beautiful site, especially here in Jacksonville. Uh, and so we're playing in an NFL stadium. So I think we have a lot of things going for us, and who knows what the future is going to hold for the expansion of the college football playoff. But certainly we want to be in that discussion, and the city of Jacksonville is definitely moving in that direction as far as all the work that's going on around the stadium over the next decade is going to be uh, absolutely remarkable. Well, you certainly uh, want, as I say, we want the bowls to survive, uh, and the playoffs, if they are expanded, I see that as really being a big positive uh, for uh, the Bulls. Now, I, I don't care how you debate whether it's good or not to go to more teams, except right. four is just too exclusive. Right. But now yeah. if we go to more Bulls, I mean, if we go to more playoff games, shouldn't that help the Bulls? It could. It just depends on what the format is. I mean, when they rolled out the 12-team format, you know, the first four games are going to be played at the site of the of the school on a college site. I know people like Gene Smith at Ohio State expressed some concern there because playing in in the, the north part of the country in December, a week before Christmas, might not be advantageous. Uh, certain stadiums may not be able to accommodate that as far as weatherizing. I mean, even in Athens, we have to weatherize the stadium because you don't want those pipes bursting in the in the winter. So there's some concerns there, but certainly if it opens up to the bowls, uh, that may create some opportunities. But who knows whether it's going to stay at four, move to eight, go to 12. Who knows? But uh, I think we'll know something more concrete once the dust settles with conference realignment. Well, I'm just uh, a proponent of college football needing to support and protect the bowls. The bowls have been so generous and so much a factor in the success of college football. Uh, I think most people would agree on that. So we need to do all we can to help and preserve the bowl system. Uh, the issues that uh, you're most concerned about regarding the bowls and the playoffs? Really financial stability. Uh, in our case, uh, our ticket revenue mark is like three and a half million dollars. Uh, so we've got to generate that type of revenue to really be solvent. I mean, we have a relationship with TaxSlayer. We have the ESPN contract. We have corporate contributions. We have committee contributions. And that's really about it. 
I mean, we were an $8 million operation, and you know, 3.5 of that's with ticket sales. So a lot depends on who we have in our game, the amount of interest they'll draw. Uh, so we're hoping for a great matchup that'll generate uh, significant attendance from these schools because each school now just has to guarantee 3,000 tickets. So uh, it used to be in the day that schools would guarantee 12,000 tickets, and then it was reduced to 8,000 tickets. And, heck, I was in the room when those decisions were made to lower the ticket uh, the ticket requirement. So I kind of wish it was back at 12,000. Then that way I knew we could guarantee 24,000 <laughs> ticket sales. And now we're just guaranteed 6,000. So we've got to make that up locally. We've got to make that up with the schools. But that's probably the... Uh, with every bowl director, the the one thing they really focus on is being financially stable. Our guest is Greg McGarrity. Interesting conversation about a former athletic director now running a bowl game. And we'll have final thoughts with Greg McGarrity after this. We first opened about 10 years ago. We were, we were small, just a few of us, but it was exciting. I always dreamt of having my own business. It was kind of slow at first, but things started picking up. We had big plans, but in our wildest dreams, we never, never thought we'd have this much work. Yeah, with so many businesses caught off guard by the storm, Reed Waste Management has never been busier. What will become of your business after a disaster? Nearly two-thirds of businesses aren't prepared for an emergency, and 40% of businesses that experience a disaster never recover. Make an emergency plan now, before it's too late. For a free online tool that helps you develop an emergency plan to keep your business up and running should disaster strike, visit ready.gov forward slash business. Brought to you by the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the American Red Cross, and the Ad Council. An important message from Medicare. When my son first told me about extra help from Medicare, I said, thanks, but no thanks. I didn't want any help paying for my prescriptions. I told him, I don't have much money coming in, but I still have my pride. Besides, I, I looked into it a couple years ago. I figured if I didn't qualify then, I wouldn't qualify now either. My, oh my, am I ever glad my son didn't give up on me. He reminded me that I was on a limited income and that it was easier than ever for people like me to qualify. So I called, and he was right. Now I pay just a few dollars for generics and a few dollars more for brand name prescriptions. With extra help, I can afford the prescriptions I need. Thanks, Medicare. Get the extra help you need to stay healthy. Visit socialsecurity.gov or call 1-800-772-1213. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. We leave no warrior behind. Wounded Warrior Project is a nonprofit organization created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war. Whether those scars are physical or mental, we're here to make sure that they heal. And whether it's helping those with post-traumatic stress disorder live a normal life again, or giving much-needed support to injured warriors and veterans' hospitals. Because no one deserves our help more than the men and women who risk their lives to keep us safe. Wounded Warrior Project. 
We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. This is Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith on GNN. Now, here's Lauren. Welcome back. Our guest is Greg Nagarty, Executive Director of the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, former athletic director at the University of Georgia, former Bulldog Letterman, an employee with multiple assignments over the years in Athens. Um, Greg, interesting about the bowls, you said Gator Bowl, Tax Slayer Gator Bowl is a sixth. Rose, cotton, sugar, orange. Most people would forget the number fifth bowl ahead of the Gator Bowl would be the Sun, Sun Bowl. bowl. <laughs> <laughs> a yes. little bit of trivia for <laughs> our conversation. Yeah. Where are we today with college athletics? Good, concerned, the future. Uh, how do you feel? Well, I feel a lot better about things with uh, Jerry Moorhead and people like Greg Sankey. Jim Phillips is a wonderful leader. Bob Bowlesby, uh, they're all good friends. And I think as long as we keep the game in the hands of those that uh, can use common sense, that can that are that are experienced, that have been down that road, that have uh, worked at the lower levels of college athletics and worked up, they know the fabric. As long as it's in the hands of people like that. I think things are really going to be good, but it's it's making sure that the right people can make the right decisions. And again, I just hearken back to people like President Moorhead, Greg Sankey, Jim Phillips, Bob Bowlesby, and there are a lot of other really talented people in this in the NCAA in the on campuses that are really really talented. But you know, you've got certain leaders that that have to carry the torch. And I think as long as those individuals are engaged, as they are, I think we're going to be okay. You never know uh, about uh, certain crises, uh, but uh, Greg Sankey's leadership, and it could have not turned out the way it did. Maybe we were lucky, but his leadership in playing the game last year through COVID uh, turned out to be a, a, a very healthy decision. Well, uh, my gosh, I, th- I think back to uh, one year ago today. I mean, we were right in the middle of it. I mean, 10,000 people and in the stadium and masking and you know I didn't the president and I didn't travel with the team last year when they went on the road uh, we weren't in the the quarantine bubble so that was an oddity last year for us but a lot of people had to sacrifice I mean I think of the work that Ron Corson and the dedication that these young men and the coaches made last year to play every game to play 10 games and be healthy to play 10 games is just a remarkable story. And uh, I'm so proud of, of the buy-in and the connectivity that Kirby and Ron had together to make it all work. I mean, if those two got adversarial, my gosh, you could see what the whole thing could blow up. But uh, Ron Corson, without question, is the most talented and most professional person uh, in that space in college athletics. and. Kirby did a good job of listening. Uh, I I know they talked every day, and precautions were in place, and there was no rub, there was no angst. Uh, I know there was worry, but certainly people listened and adhered to 
the rules and the regulations, and Georgia was able to, to play 10 games and play in the Sugar Bowl and, I'm, I'm sorry, the Peach Bowl and have a great win. So uh, might not have been the year everybody wanted, but in a COVID world, all chips were off the table. I mean, you're, you didn't know if you were going to be able to practice. You didn't know if you are going to be able to play. You know, we had to deal with that several times with other schools that weren't prepared to play or couldn't play. So the uncertainty, the not knowing if you're going to play, those things all added up. And I just give a lot of credit to our leadership to make sure that we could play and, and be able to do it in a safe environment. And you were a contributor to that good fortune. You're a Georgia graduate, uh, worked there, ultimate job, AD, going back to Athens Town. What do you like about going home? Oh, gosh. Uh, being with people, being with friends. Uh, and I know that one time I went back to see a couple of doctors uh, that, I, that I still hadn't changed doctors, and I just took time and walked through campus and walked through Five Points and stayed at the Georgia Center and, you know, just kind of soaked everything in because you, you take certain things for granted once you leave. And Athens is such a great city, and uh, we love going back. But we're settled here now, and uh, Cheryl's happy. Our son and his wife are happy, and uh, all is well. Well, great. All is well, and all was well most of the time that you were Georgia's AD. So we congratulate you on the legacy you left behind. Wish you the best. And I'd like to thank Greg for joining us today for this conversation and invite you to join us again next week when we'll visit with another interesting sports personality right here on Sports Conversations. This is Lauren Smith. This has been Sports Conversations with Lauren Smith. Join us here next week as Lauren sits down with another legendary name from the sporting world here on GNN. Habitat for Humanity builds houses and so much more. A Habitat build site is where hanging a door opens a world of opportunity, where turning a screw turns the page, and where a simple key can unlock a brighter future. You see, Habitat for Humanity builds houses and so much more. What will you build? Visit Habitat.org to learn more. Radio goes one-on-one with Pink about how she's been able to evolve as an artist. I love R&B. I used to sing gospel in church. I always will, but I also had a punk rock band. I also sang opera. I also love rock and roll. So it's not that I wanted to divert from that completely. It's just that I wanted to incorporate a lot of other stuff. And I wanted to write. I wanted to speak for myself. I didn't want to be a puppet. And it worked. It worked really well. And I'm happy. (laughs) Keep listening to iHeartRadio for more of Pink and all your favorite artists. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.